It's been a wonderful week at Crossroads. It's been a wonderful weekend. We've heard about our 150 or 200 folks who are in Chattanooga, Tennessee this weekend. Our worship and music ministry folks that are usually in our congregation or up on this platform leading us are on their mission trip. It's an annual mission trip that lasts over a weekend. And they've been witnessing in two different uh, malls in Chattanooga, in two different parks. Today they are at a festival and they are sharing in a dynamic way the good news of the gospel of Christ with a non-Christian audience largely. We're proud of them. This past Wednesday night, this place was full of parents and grandparents. Our praise kids and our king kids uh, had their annual program in the worship center here. It was, it was just absolutely wonderful. And this past week, we've had about 10 of our elders and pastors who have been in Florida learning everything they can about multi-site ministry because we anticipate the expansion of our witness in the greater Evansville area in more dynamic ways than ever before in the next couple of years. So it's been an exciting week. And here we are this morning in Acts chapter 10, the entire chapter of Acts chapter 10. We're looking at a better story. What if your life could take a turn for the best? Now, if you ever have anyone ask, what's your story? Now, we all know what they mean, right? Each of us has a story that's told in the unfolding chronological chapters of our lives, and some are living in the early chapters, well, uh, while others may be writing their final chapter. But here's the thing. None of us knows for sure whether we are at the beginning or the end of our story. Just this past week, I was contacted to pray for a 19-year-old girl, Tiffany Jeffers. In her sophomore year of college, engaged to be married, holding down two jobs, bought her first car, very health and fitness conscious, but she unexplainably fell seriously ill, was admitted to the intensive care unit at St. John's Hospital in Springfield, Illinois, in an induced coma, lingering between life and death, 19 years old. Anthony Fernando, 21-year-old man living in Colombo, Sri Lanka, went fishing one day off the coast of the island. He had no idea that he would not make it back to shore alive. But while he was fishing that day, Something called an alligator garfish jumped out of the water and cut his throat with its tail, and he bled out before fellow fishermen could get him to a hospital, 21 years old. Lance Foster, 23-year-old student at the University of Kansas, got thirsty one night studying at his desk, so he decided to walk down the hallway and get something to drink. He put his money in the vending machine. The soda did not come out. Well, as he rocked it back and forth to try to get it to drop, the vending machine fell on him. A few minutes later, he was found by a fellow student dead from internal injuries. If you'd told 20-year-old Ali Ahani that he would be shot to death by a snake, he wouldn't have believed it, but it happened. He was trying to catch a viper alive, but when he pressed the butt of his shotgun against the snake, it coiled around the trigger. And Ahani had his head literally blown off. After winning $3.6 million in the lottery, 
William Carey must have thought he was the luckiest guy in the world, but not for long. Two weeks after receiving his check, this 37-year-old man died of a heart attack. Stresses associated with winning the lottery literally killed him. Now, none of these people would have imagined that the end of their story was that close. But death can come like that suddenly, unexpectedly, and it can happen to anyone, and that is precisely why we should all give priority to our story today, now. So what about your story? In this series of messages, we're looking at real people just like you and me who wrote a better story. Because of Jesus, their lives took a turn for the best as they moved from guilt to grace. Remember? From confusion to clarity, from rage to redemption. And today, in Acts chapter 10, a man named Cornelius and his family who moved from seeking to salvation. Let me just tell you the story in Acts chapter 10. We're introduced to a man named Cornelius, and the first two verses say that he is a Roman centurion of the Italian regiment. So, he was a commander of 100 men who were a part of an elite military unit in an army that dominated the Western world for over a thousand years. He was a man who had authority. He probably wasn't chosen uh, as much for his physical strength as for his mental acumen. He was clearly an accomplished leader. But he not only had authority, he possessed a quality of life that was rare back then, even as it is today, and that is nobility. His intentional leadership was not only respected on the battlefront, but also on the home front. He led his family well. His family is described as devout and God-fearing. Cornelius was also a man of piety. He desired to be God's man. He prayed regularly. He did not buy into the popular Greco-Roman view that man created the gods and there were many of them. He had renounced paganism, and he believed in the first revelation in Scripture, that the Lord God is the creator of all that is. And Cornelius was also a man of generosity, says he gave liberally to those who were in need. So he's a man who has a heart for people. Well, this remarkable man, one afternoon, about 3 p.m., has an angel that appears to him and calls him by name. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 4, the angel says, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now that impresses on me the reality that the God of this universe, think about it, the God of this universe is attentive. He notices, He cares about our prayers and our offerings because these tend to be the test of a person's heart. The angel told Cornelius, Send messengers to Joppa and bring back the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter was a house guest there. And so the next day, around noon, as these men are traveling toward Joppa, a little over 20 miles down the Mediterranean seacoast, Peter went up on a rooftop to pray, and he fell in 
to a trance, and he saw the heavens opened, and something like a large sheet was let down to the earth by its corners, and it contained animals and reptiles and birds, and a voice said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, no, Lord, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice corrected Peter, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Well, this was repeated, this same vision was repeated three times, and then the sheet disappeared back into heaven. Now, later that day, Peter is pondering the meaning of this vision, and the men sent by Cornelius arrive on the scene, and Peter invited them in, and he learned about the vision of Cornelius. So the next day, Peter and a few of the believers with him journeyed back up the coast to Caesarea. When they got there to the household of Cornelius, Peter found a large gathering of people because Cornelius knew Peter was coming, and he had called together all of his relatives and all of his friends. And as soon as Peter walked in the door, Cornelius fell to his knees in front of Peter. But Peter said, stand up, man. Uh, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm only a man myself. And in that moment, Peter connected the dots. In that moment, Peter drew a straight line between the vision of Cornelius and the vision God had given him. And here was his conclusion The Creator God intends that the message of salvation in His Son Jesus is not just for the Jews, but for all nations. So Peter told those gathered about Jesus, told them about His miracles and His death and resurrection, that He is the one whom God appointed judge of the living and the dead. And right in the middle of Peter's message, the Holy Spirit came on those who were listening, and they began to spontaneously praise God in languages that they had never studied, in languages that they had never learned. And Peter and the believers who had made the trip with him, when they saw this, they were astonished. And Peter declared in Acts chapter 10, verse 47, 48, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water, they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he's talking about what happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came on that assembly in Acts chapter 2 when the church was founded. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now sometime later, when Peter was telling this very same story that I have just told you, he was telling it to Jewish believers throughout Judea. He said in Acts chapter 11, verse 17, so if God gave them the same gift he gave us, talking about the household of Cornelius, those of us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? Clearly, this is God's will, that the whole world, that the ethnes, that the nations, the Gentiles, the non-Jews, should receive the gospel and the opportunity to come into the family of God. When they heard this, they praised God, saying... Now, this is the Jewish believers. When they heard this, they praised God, saying, So then, 
God has granted even the Gentiles, that's, that's you and me, the opportunity to repent and live. So Cornelius and his family and his friends and all the nations of the earth can move from seeking to salvation. Well, friends, what are the life lessons for us here this morning, 2015? We're living 2,000 years after this event. What are our takeaways from this historic passage? And to answer that, we need to put Cornelius under the microscope this morning. And I want you to see, first of all, that he was good, but he was still lost. We all know some people like Cornelius, don't we? Good people. Even deeply spiritual people who have not yet surrendered their lives to Christ, never yet been added to His church. God is always looking for people like this. Second Chronicles says it, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. He's seeking true-hearted worshipers. John chapter 4, verse 23 says, But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. You see, God wants those who want him. And he's seeking us even more than we are seeking him. We're told to seek Him, and then it says we will be found by Him. I find that to be a very interesting verse. Seek the Lord, and you will be found by Him. He's looking for you more than you're looking for Him this morning. In Acts chapter 10, God sends an angel to Cornelius. He sends a vision to Peter. So God is preparing both the seeker, Cornelius, and the speaker, Peter. He did it then, and it's my conviction he still does it today. Listen, if you have the sense that God has sent you to someone, that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to speak to someone, you can do it with the confidence that He has also prepared the person to whom you are speaking to receive the truth at some level. Well, back to Cornelius. The text says he was a devout man. The word, the Greek word here means reverence that shows itself in activity. So his faith was not confined to the heart. It was demonstrated in his deeds. He was not like those described by the Apostle Paul in Titus chapter 1. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. That's not Cornelius. Cornelius professed love for God and he showed it in his value system. He showed it in his good works. He's a benevolent man. He's a compassionate man. He's a prayerful man. But he was not yet a saved man. Why? Well, because salvation is not achieved by good character or good deeds. It is through faith in Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. John Ortberg writes, uh, Aunt Edna is a nice older lady. She would never hurt a fly. She pays her taxes. She bakes cookies for the children in the neighborhood. She is kind to stray cats. She's a good person. She's just never gone in much for God or Jesus or the Bible or church. So do you mean to tell me that because she's not a Christian, she's not going to heaven? Well, right now I want you to think for a moment about Aunt Edna because here is her story. When she was young, every once in a while, maybe at Christmas or Easter, she would hear about a father in heaven who loved her. God would whisper to her through the message of the Bible, you can learn more about me if you want to. I'd love for you to. I'd love for you to be my child. But she made a little decision. It may not have been overt. She may never have verbalized it. It may not have been exactly conscious, but she made a little decision. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to use my mind to pursue other things, not God. And then... There would be moments in her life when she would look at a sunset or mountains or the ocean and God would whisper to her, I created this. I made you. You didn't get here by accident. You know that. And you can know me. You can say thank you. But she made a little decision. No, I will not acknowledge you. I will not give thanks. And there were times when she did something wrong because Aunt Edna is no more perfect than you or I. And God would whisper to her through her conscience, you can be forgiven. You know you need it. You can make a fresh start. You can have a new life. I'll do that if you'll repent. But she made a little decision. No. I will not seek forgiveness and a new life. I will not repent of my sin. As she grew older, more of the people she knew began to struggle with health issues and they began to die. And at every funeral, she was confronted with her own mortality. And God whispered to her through her vicarious experiences with death, You can't beat death, but I have planted eternity in your heart. This fear of death and the longing for something more, it's there in every human being. I put it there. And if you ask me, if you say yes to me, you can be with me forever. But Edna made a little decision. I'm not afraid. I will not ask. I will not say yes. So, she comes to the end of her life. She writes the last chapter of her story, and maybe she never said it outwardly, but the truth is she has said no to God a thousand times. She locked the door of her heart to Him. She would not place her faith in Him. She would not submit to Him. She would not worship Him or serve Him. All she wanted was to be left alone by Him. And being left alone by God is what the Bible calls damnation.
and it is the opposite of salvation. You see, Aunt Edna was good, but she was still lost. Now, I have some seeker-sensitive pastor friends who don't like the word lost. They consider it offensive to unchurched or dechurched people. They refer to them not as lost, but as missing. But somehow it doesn't sound very urgent to me to say the Son of Man came to seek and save the missing. So, so what else do we see in this man, Cornelius? Well, he was wise, but he was still untaught. Now, he was wise because you don't get to be a trusted military strategist by being impulsive, by being thoughtless. Cornelius had demonstrated his wisdom in his career and in his home, and he deserves high marks as a leader, as a father. And he didn't let success go to his head. He was a humble man. He didn't think he had all the answers. Cornelius had a teachable spirit. So Cornelius sent for Peter to hear about the way of salvation. And he even, even gathered all of his family and friends together. And then he said to Peter in Acts chapter 10, verse 33, Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. So Peter told him and his household about Jesus. And when Peter commanded them to be baptized, they humbly obeyed. Actually, I think Cornelius was a little more teachable than Peter here. You remember when Peter was commanded in the vision to get up, Peter, kill and eat, and Peter blurted out his objection. By no means, Lord. Certainly not, Lord. Now, you can say no, and you can say Lord, but you cannot say no, Lord, see, because if he's truly our Lord, we only say yes to his commands because we know his commands are in our best interest always. But Peter, true to form, accepted the correction. He was not defensive. When he was told that he should not call impure anything God has made clean, although he had not voluntarily gone to the Gentiles, whom he considered to be unclean with the message of Jesus, the way of salvation opened up to them because Peter was humble enough to abandon his prejudice. And Cornelius was humble enough to listen and obey the gospel. John Pierce is now deceased. He's a pastor, a friend of mine in Urbana, Illinois, years ago. When he overcame the prejudice that all the professors in the science department at the state university, the University of Illinois, were all atheistic evolutionists. And so he witnessed to Dr. Stan Smith, who was a professor of biology, about Jesus. Dr. Smith was a humble man who not only became a disciple, but after a few years, he resigned his tenured position at the University of Illinois and became the first full-time campus minister on the campus of the U of I. Yeah, it's a great story. Dick Yuki. Dick Yuki was the pastor of Blenville Christian Church in Joplin, Missouri, when he was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. He was our family's pastor when we were in Joplin at the Bible College. I remember when that diagnosis came down, how hard it was for the church. And Dick began his treatment with the finest oncologist in the area, 
a man named Dr. Herbert Schmidt. And when Pastor Yuki asked Dr. Schmidt what he owed him for his treatment, Dr. Schmidt, who had just suffered through his third failed marriage, responded, teach me what you know about Jesus. I remember, I remember Dr. Smith's baptism. I remember seeing the incredible changes in his life. Now, he had been a good man. He became a saved man. He had been a wise man. He became a taught man. Well, back to Cornelius. He was also seeking. So he did not procrastinate. The text says that when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called together two of his servants and a devout soldier and sent them to Joppa to get Peter. Boom! Just like that. Later in Acts 10.33, Cornelius told Peter, he said, I sent for you immediately. There was a sense of urgency in this man. He made his and his family's spiritual life a top priority. He didn't say to himself, I'll look into this next week or next month or when I get squared away or when the the kids are a little farther along in age or when we get used to our new schedule or when we get on our feet financially. Cornelius operated with the ethic of the psalmist in one of my favorite verses, Psalm 119, 59 and 60. I have considered my ways. I hurry to keep your commandments. I never put it off. Cornelius determined that this vision from the angel demanded immediate attention. Some might have wanted to give it prolonged consideration. Others might have shrugged their shoulders, dismissing the whole experience. Still others might have wanted to share it with friends who might have then in turn talked them out of being obedient, but not Cornelius. As soon as the voice of God reached his ears, he took steps to obey immediately. And we would do well to imitate his faith. Tomorrow is the most uncertain word in your vocabulary and mine. Hebrews 4, 7 says today, if you hear his voice. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So how does a person harden his heart, her heart? Well, by saying no. By saying, not now. By saying, maybe later. So if you are a seeker after God's heart, if you are a seeker after God's truth, if you are a seeker after God's best for yourself and for your family, you will not procrastinate. Makes me want to ask this morning, is your obedience up to date? Is it current? Is there anywhere that you know you should act Will you determine to do it right now, today? My guess is you could put your finger on some area where you have postponed submission, postponed repentance. He was also obedient, and so he experienced salvation. This is the last thing we see in this man, Cornelius. Now, Jesus was not completely unknown to Cornelius because Listen to what Peter said in Acts 10, 36. He said to Cornelius, you know the message God sent, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power 
and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So Cornelius had some significant knowledge, but apparently Cornelius and his family and his friends who gathered to listen to Peter had not heard about the purpose of the cross. They hadn't heard about the purpose of Jesus' death on the cross, and they hadn't heard the evidence for his resurrection. So as soon as they heard that, as soon as they heard it, while Peter's still speaking, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, and so there was no mistaking. The message from God was clear. In Acts 10:34, God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear Him and do what is right. And once they heard and obeyed Peter's order that they be baptized in the name of Jesus, they experienced salvation. So what does it mean to do what is right here? He accepts men from every nation who fear Him and do what is right. What does it mean to do what is right? Well, it means to listen and to obey. It means to believe in Jesus. It means to repent of sin. And from this passage, it means to submit to baptism in water. All this is a part of what is right. All this is a part of the salvation experience. Will you stand with me? And let's pray together. Father God, it is so good for us to have this historical narrative that has survived for nearly 2,000 years of the acts of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people, giving them a better story, helping them to take a turn for the best. Lord, we love what you are teaching us from the examples of the multitudes on Pentecost and the Apostle Paul and this morning Cornelius. Lord, we pray that our good character and our good works would flow out of the reality of our salvation. We would not depend on these things for our salvation. We depend on Jesus, our love for Him, our devotion to Him for our salvation. I thank you that we don't have to seek like Cornelius did. We need only to open your word and identify with him in what he did to respond to your love and grace. And so we thank you and praise you today for the better story that we have because of Jesus in his name. Amen.